on May the 11th, 2011. I do these broadcasts as an educational, hopefully, uh, tool for you to use where I show you how a massive superstructure overlays all your governmental systems uh, across the whole world, interlaces with, with foundations, big money, big banking, corporations, and so on, and to show you that it's not just a collection of winners it's actually a one system that was planned a long time ago that created the corporations and the foundations and the people who seem to be winners today. That uh, are called basically the New World Order, this, this system we're under, this New World Order, where everything that was has to be vanquished and destroyed to bring in the new, as I say, uh, in some of the, bigger, the higher lodges, I should, I should mention, uh, and certainly are attached to lodges, all these big boys at the top. As, many, as well as to many institutions uh, as, as well and foundations too. But we're run really by a higher elite who planned this a long time ago. And I try to show you the threads down through history where uh, material has been published often by themselves, in fact, uh, as to the agenda and their plans and so on. Through philosophy, often it's discovered their plans and uh, sociology and various other kind of characters involved in the planning stages of each phase of this ongoing plan. So help yourself to these audios. And all, all these sites that are listed on the com site have transcripts in English of a lot of the talks. And if you want transcripts in other languages to print up, go into alanwattsentinel.eu and take your pick from the ones offered there. Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you, so you can order the books and discs, hopefully, that I have for sale. And um, you can use a personal check from the U.S. to Canada, you can also use an international postal money order from your post office. Uh, you can send cash, and you can also use PayPal to order. Use the donation button and follow it with an email with name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. And across the rest of the world, you're stuck with Western Union, MoneyGram, and you also have PayPal again to order using the donation button there. And um, and basically that, sh- that ties it up. It's a lot of m- money to keep all this going and all these sites too and I have to keep these sites going because sometimes I get trouble with the major the major um, servers who will give me hassles with disk space and so on even though I'm supposed to be on Unlimited I've had them actually uh, stop it uh, before, uh, stop me uploading and, and uh, I've had to argue for months sometimes with them before they'll resume even though I've been paying for it all but that's what happens when you're not really authorized to come out and really say what's really going on I could keep you distracted and give you a hundred horror stories a day, which you'll forget next week, because by next week there'll be another hundred horror stories to, to go over. So I try to show you, at least for the ones who want to know how the system was started up and how it's operated. And there's no magic to it. There's a lot of secrecy, of course, 
But as I say, when you find all bureaucrats and retirees who love to publish their psychopathic lifestyles and memoirs, you'll find a lot of good data from the big players who help plan society and the changes within society, including the cultural changes that they wanted to bring through. Everything they had planned over a hundred years ago and wrote about a hundred years ago has been accomplished pretty well, right down to going after all of the resources of the world. That was one of the first things they started off, starting with gold and so on, diamonds, uh, things of wealth to make sure that they were the most powerful on the planet, and then to go after everything that you need to survive from your food, water, everything, heating the lot. And that's where we are today as you push on for total control and domination under a new feudal system, the feudal system that Carol Quigley talked about in Tragedy and Hope and the Anglo-American Establishment, his other very good book, Must Read to Understand How It's Done. And he talked about the wars it caused, the, the fomented wars, the Iran governments, they still do, and they've almost completed this segment back after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. And as I was saying, uh, a group long ago uh, that really came out first to the public's uh, ears, basically under the guise of the Cecil Rhodes Foundation that merged eventually with the Milner, Lord Alfred Milner Foundation, and became the Royal Institute of International Affairs. And that was really their mission from even the Cecil Rhodes days, was to uh, send their bright young men across the world and really through taking over other countries via war, starting wars, blaming the enemy, the so-called enemy, and going in and plundering them using British troops, they would take over the world's um, riches, basically, starting with the riches, then the food supplies and so on. And they had a socialist uh, idea of running the world where the bankers themselves and the elite would be at the top, the right kind of people, intelligentsia, academia, uh, running it all for them, basically, and they would just use a socialist type of structure to run the citizenry, massive governmental bureaucracies and so on, all to keep everyone in, in line. And that's where we are today as they push. And they always had it in mind from the very beginning to use the British system and, uh, and eventually the American system, which they merged with, to be the policemen of the world, to take over the countries, to do what they wanted to do, take over the mineral resources, oil, everything. And, and, and again, push the same system called democracy, which they knew was simply a front. It's an elastic, an elastic term for many kinds of systems. In other words, anything that they wanted to be at the time, that's called democracy. And as long as people have a right to vote, that's all, that's really the only right that you have. And sometimes it's not a right at all. It's a law that you have to vote in some countries. So, once you vote, uh, you're giving power to the authorities to basically do with you as they, they please, which they always do, as you've noticed, I'm sure, those who've lived long enough. Uh, they never fulfill promises. They simply go off on uh, tangents and say, well, we've signed all these treaties at the United Nations, and we can't break the treaties and so on and, and fulfill our promises and so on and so on and so on. Ad nauseum. Anyway... Here's an article here as to the progress uh, of uh, the final part of their, their takeovers because they've taken over the food industry by using government, since they do put people in governments all the time. They claim that their members uh, uh, have always been put in at the top of governments in Britain and America and Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and elsewhere. 
since the late 1800s. Every president and prime minister has been one, and uh, and they also put other ones high placed in the bureaucracies of those governments. The bureaucrats are always there. They know the real agenda. And this article is on about water, because they're taking over the food supplies, they say, through their chains, their big, big, massive chains, and corporate farming, and they're going after the water, as we well know. And many big companies, the big well-known ones, of course, uh, have taken so much water, even for their soft water or soft uh, drink bottles and so on from different areas of the U.S., uh, that they've run towns dry. And uh, uh, literally, they take rivers, basically, whole rivers per day, in a sense, uh, to turn out the bottles of all the chemical garbage they sell you as pop and and fruit drinks, etc., but here's one of them here, and this is from Geneva, and it's through Reuters, uh, again, Rothschild-owned. But it says, selling water on exchanges in the same way as other commodities are traded could help solve a shortage of the world's most precious raw material, likely to hit long before oil runs dry. The chairman of Nestle, Nestle, uh, Nestle Company, uh, which is, was in the news recently for uh, killing people in China by substituting, taking the protein, the white, out of milk, and putting in uh, a plastic substitute, basically, that was a waste product of the, of the plastic industry, which they managed a long time ago to get the FDA to approve as a protein. They even put it in baby food, and that's melamine, of course, and highly toxic, but uh, they don't want bright populations. Anyway, getting back to the story, uh, this is from the chairman of Nestle, which, and he had said this at a speech on Tuesday. He said, I'm not against the idea. Peter Brabeck, chairman of the world's largest food group, told Reuters when he asked about the idea of exchange-based water trade. Then he gives his, his examples uh, to try to lull you into this new way of thinking. This is what they always do. The first place to consider, he said, it should be Alberta province, he said, where competition could be f- uh, particularly fierce between farmers needing water for crops and oil companies needing water to exploit oil sands, which require far more water than other kinds of oil deposit. We're actively dealing with the government of Alberta to think about a water exchange, Brabick said. I mean, these guys have been doing this, this con for ages with the governments, even local governments and so on. And as I say, throughout the U.S. and elsewhere, they've run whole towns dry and they've grabbed all the water rice. Uh, so, so he goes on to even give ancient examples, he says, of the, the Gulf state of Oman, which had a water exchange system dating back thousands of years. And I bet these guys never lost the history of that either. And noted how the strong rally in oil, which climbed to more than $127 a barrel for Brent crude in April, and was above $117 on Tuesday on international futures markets, could erode demand. You see what happens when demand is growing. The market reacts and people start to use oil in a more efficient way, he said. Strange, it gets more expensive, it gets more efficient, isn't it? One thing that does not move at all is the price of water. The non-executive chairman refused to comment specifically on the current rally across commodities, including cocoa, coffee, as well as oil, used in huge quantities by Nestle. He said he could not comment on operational issues. You know, it's all top secret stuff. But then he went into the same kind of uh, spiel. And he says he echoed, the co- he echoed comments made at the World Economic Forum, another one for the big boys that run the world, in De- Davos the, earlier this year, saying biofuel should not be allowed to devour the precious resources available. These are the guys that push for biofuels. Uh, and the farmers now, which they own in corporate farming, uh, are growing biofuels rather than food for the public, which is great because it puts the food prices up for these guys that run all your food. <laughs> 
One of the first decisions we should be taking, uh, talking is no food for fuel, he said, adding even second-generation biofuels which use non-food raw materials, were, and they were not the answer. He argued that the second generation would never be able to produce the amounts of biomass required by ambitious government targets to increase the amount of biofuel in the energy mix. So, he says, the Arab Spring was really started when the governments had to increase the price of food. The political side came afterwards. It came because people were pushed backward into extreme poverty. You see how it really works. See, these guys get together who already own the food supply. Uh, they basically hold a lot of stuff back until the prices skyrocket. And then they use war as an excuse. Uh, or, or they get these folk to rebel as an excuse to go in and invade them. They've done this for well over a 100 years because you find the same stories, uh, as I say, uh, in the old uh, Milner exploits with Cecil Rhodes and so on, as they wanted to take over good parts of Africa, which they did by invading those parts with private armies and then blaming uh, the Boers, the Dutch, for invading the British compounds. And then, of course, what could the British do but send in the army and take it over? Uh, That's what they did. And they even had their own reporters on board to wire back to London the the lies which they wanted to be spread to the the public. This is an ancient technique. And unfortunately, news has always been used by these characters who own the media to make us, to give us our perceptions of how the world works. And it's, it's the ones that they want us to have. Nothing to do with truth. Nothing to do with truth at all. All information is weaponized, and you gotta remember that. And, and then you take that up too with the United Nations. Now, these same groups, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, uh, set up and before that, they set up the League of Nations under Milner and his bunch, and then that transformed into the United Nations. Interesting logo, by the way. If you look at the League of Nations, it's a five-pointed star inside a pentangle, a pentagon. And then, of course, they changed it to the United Nations with the whole world there, with the oak leaves around it, meaning uh, victory. That's what his job is, to bring victory for those who set it up and own it. And they do own it. Remember, the United Nations is not a democratic system. It's a private system. So the UN population projections prompt calls for population control. Now think of water, think of food, and think of what they're saying here. It all ties in, you you see. And it says, uh, uh, in the wake of the release of increased population projections by the United Nations Population Fund last week, and their job is always to, to, to cry wolf, always, oh my God, the sky's falling. That's what they get paid for. Predicting the birth of the world's 7th billion baby in late October this year, calls for measures to control the world's population have surged. The report says that the global population is rising faster than anticipated in previous reports and will likely reach, likely reach 9.31 billion instead of 9.15 billion by 2050. They're always doing these fantastic calculations. It's always way off in the future so they can get more cash and more uh, rights to go over and do abortions and and family planning and stuff. So it says, under the guise of aiding women's universal access to reproductive health, the United Nations FPA has been promoting abortion and contraceptive availability for years, especially in the developing world, and has recently begun pushing STD vaccinations as well, so big pharma profits as well, uh, as as, as well as bringing down uh, fertility through the STD vaccinations because they've got an awful lot of side effects. You can't trust these guys at all. 
they used to say, beware of Greeks bearing gifts, you know, because uh, of an old story where the Greeks came in and uh, offered gifts and food and so on, and they sat and eat, ate and drank it, and then they all died, and the Greeks won. Anyway, uh, it's the same thing with the United Nations and all their vaccination programs uh, across the whole world. Now, couple this, too, with um, Kissinger. And when Kissinger, back in the 70s, I think, put out his little bill to decrease the populations of the third world, which he said was an enemy to the, a clear and present danger to the state, to the U.S., uh, meaning his own cronyism, uh, his cronies and uh, the system they had planned for the whole world. That's what it meant. And they also were to, didn't want any of other countries, third world countries, rising up to first world status and basically overturning them as leaders of the world. That was another part of it, too. Everything has got strategy to it. Everything has got planning to it for other reasons. And Mandel House said the same thing too. Uh, Mandel House was the guy who helped bind the scenes to push forth the Federal Reserve and a lot of other big plans for the U.S. He advised many presidents. He said, there's always, he says, we always give the public a, a good story. He says, then there's a real story. We never get the real story. Back with more after this break. Hi, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. Reading an article uh, about the United Nations with their usual calling for feminism and population control and all the rest of it. And it continues here. It says here uh, that Susan Ellers, president of the Washington-based Population Action International, called the new projections a wake-up call for governments to fulfill the global demand for contraception. It's amazing all these massive NGOs, all incredibly financed, huge financing from these foundations, uh, which are just the fronts for the international boys, the bankers, and so on. Anyway, it says, in developing countries around the world, millions of women want to prevent pregnancy but don't have access to contraception, said Ellers. This impacts their health, education, opportunities, and their ability to provide for their families. Should advocate universal access to family planning for healthier lives and protecting our planet. All the usual stuff, you see. Meanwhile, Stephen Mosher, president of the Population Research Institute, takes a different view. He says, UNFPA's claims of women demanding contraceptives are simply not true, said Mosher, adding that these women instead are crying out for better health care, all-round health care for themselves and their family. The cries are ignored by the population controllers at the UNFPA and elsewhere, however, who are bent not upon saving lives but upon reducing the number of people on the planet, said Mosher. Demographics indicate a world better off with population growth, cited Mosher. Worldwide income, infant mortality rates, life expectancy, education level, and uh, caloric intake have been getting dramatically better since 1800, or when there was only 1 billion people on the planet. The UNFBA and other population control organizations are loath to report the truth about falling fertility rates worldwide since they, say they raise funds by frightening people with the specter of overpopulation, he said. They tell us that too many babies are, are being born to poor people in developing countries. This is tantamount to saying that only the wealthy should be allowed to have children, and it's a new form of global racism. It's always been a form of that, though, that, that kind of racism. Why should uh, we should stop funding population control programs and instead turn our attention to real problems like malaria, typhus, HIV, AIDS, concluded Mosher. 
Baby 7 billion boy or girl, red or yellow, black or white, is not a liability but an asset, not a curse but a blessing for all of us. So there you go, as I say. And, of course, the, the mainstream media generally only prints the one side of the story, which is too many people and too many poor. And that's getting more and more uh, frequent now that just just too many poor people, including inside the U.S., by the way, all the people down down south, you better remember that, because they've taken away all your industry and you're bankrupt, basically. Uh, think about it. Think who's ruling over you uh, before you start supporting, because you've been trained to support um, these ideas in the past. Now, there's callers on the line there. There's Jacob from New York City. Uh, I'll see if he's there. Is, it, is Jacob there? Hey, Alan, how you doing today? Not too bad. Yeah. The one question is, you know, there's so much with the occult as far as, you know, like the EU building being the rebuilt Tower of Babel. And, yeah. you know, it seems to me that, you know, I don't think there's reptilian aliens or anything, man. Yeah. But there does seem to be some sort of overarching doctrine or overarching religion belief. Yes, you're right. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, what, 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 are they, what are they drawing all the inspiration well, it's easy to get inspiration when you when you're selected to a university as a bright young man who will serve them very well and paid handsomely, and you're guaranteed the doors will just open for you, which they do. Uh, so greed is a, a good factor for recruitment. And um, but however, there's definitely a, a religion behind this. Uh, it's very old, and we can go back into ancient Rome, and we can even find traces of it there, with their initiation ceremonies, uh, with with the equestrian order and so on and they're very much uh, they copied almost the same system or, or either that or, or one copied the other but it was very similar to the 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 the, the jewish um uh, uh, celebrations or or even systems when they had the tent traveling in the desert idea the romans did the same thing with equestrian order they set up a, a big massive tent no roof on it and they had their lit flame and so on, and that's where they initiated their new members. But this was going on across the ancient world, even in Greece as well. So there was a brotherhood already existing in the ancient times who were incredibly wealthy. And they, we can find traces of it through the philosophers who belong to these groups because they talked about the differences between the poor and the rich, uh, the aristocracy and the rest of the public. And some of them, some of them even then, like Plato, tried to rationalize the fact that some children could pick up on mathematics very quickly or geometry and so on because he believed, he says, that he and the elite had lived before. Now, there was a form of reincarnation very much linked to Hinduism. And, um, and the ones who couldn't grasp it well uh, hadn't been born before, so they were a lesser type of being. It was a form of uh, religious classism, where they, they class, or racism, where they classed you according to had you been born before or not. And, and that was their evident truth because they believed that they knew because of a previous life or whatever. And uh, this, this was very popular, this idea, all right up through the brotherhoods that existed, um, through the very rich men who came up through the Middle Ages. You find it breaking out again in, in Rosicrucianism when it first broke out to the general public in France. Uh, same idea, they claimed not only had the riches and could make you wealthy if you served them well, but they would give you life extension because they knew sciences. And that's still used today, by the way, in high circles. And you will get life extension. You will be someone like Kissinger or a Brzezinski or, or a Maurice Strong 
and even Rockefeller himself trotting across the world when you're in your 90s uh, giving lectures. Uh, they don't get arthritis. They don't get old age problems. They don't go see now. There's something else given to them. So you're absolutely right. But hold on. We'll get back on that when I come back from this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix and talking to Jacob from New York City. You still there, Jacob? Yeah, I'm still here. When I see these guys up there in, you know, like Bohemian Grove, and mm-hmm. they're doing all, you know, the roads and the fire and the out. Yeah. I mean, what what religion is that? What book are they reading from, man? Uh, you'll find <laughs> you, you'll find traces of that again in ancient Greece. You'll find it in ancient Rome. You'll find it even in in the accompanying literature for ancient Judaism, uh, because the, even in Judaism they had they claimed that the the staff that Moses raised. In the Valley of the Serpents, for wisdom, the Brotherhood of, of Serpents was, means wisdom. Those in the no Gnostic, high Gnostic, and uh, that was their symbol. And they brought that back, they claimed, uh, and eventually into the Holy Land and planted it in a grove. And the high elders would meet there with the Levites every year. But eventually, they claimed that when the Romans invaded, they destroyed the grove. So uh, these are you, you'll find this uh, in pretty well all the ancient world. The ancient world was not separate, you know. They had commerce and trade and intellectuals traveling back and forth uh, and builders and all the rest of it. So uh, there was a system, much like today's system, um, of commerce, wealth, very lots of wealth, and trading in slaves, and even even depopulation programs, even even programs where they moved whole populations after war out of their land, with very common occurrence, and put them elsewhere. Um, still going on today. Generally, they emigrate now out of the countries we're bombing, into the the countries that are bombing them. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's really the same techniques, but uh, they've gone down through the ages under many names, and uh, the underground stream was one uh, system they called underground stream. That was the gaining of knowledge, keeping of knowledge, never to be shared with the profane. And the, the knowledge really was chemistry and and uh, other sciences. And, and they said in the Middle Ages, they said that eventually our power will overreach that of kings and queens and governments because they'll come to us for their weaponry. And you might call it a military-industrial complex too. Um, but today they brought all their symbology down into the modern sciences as well, especially medicine, etc., with the serpents and so on, uh, the caduceus, uh, showing there quite simply. And even even the computers, too, Apple is, is from the tree of knowledge, you know. Uh, that's why. You, you know, if all knew what they knew, and I've seen, like, uh, you know, with NASA, and they have, like, the Apollo space program or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I'm one of those elite guys, do I... You know, what it's all about, even without, you know, knowing what it's all about, just some names and symbols and things like that. Yeah. Oh, they know. They know what it means. They're very careful how they choose them. Of course they are. Because they mean elements of the structure of power or arms of power. And each arm of power is given a particular name. So they use the ancient deities 
uh, for their speciality, much the same again as if you find in demonology. In, in the Kabbalah, for instance, you'll find uh, certain fallen angels had specific uh, purposes. Uh, uh, for, for So you would call them down if you wanted to use them. And it's still done by some sects today. It's the same thing when they, when they use Apollo. And Apollo, again, his symbol was a serpent, uh, as it was Diana's too. And so they use these terms all the time. Even NASA uh, is an old, old Aramaic word, uh, meaning the head. Uh, so the head or the leader, NASA. And that's why they like NASA. And then even the NSA, if you speak the NSA, it's NASA. It's a similar, similar thing. So they, they're very careful on how they, they use these these terms and give them names. They've always used the same names all down through history. For, and and the, again, the profane speak them, but they don't know what it means. They think they know what it means, but it, they don't really. Uh, so what they're really telling you is these, these, these terms, when they're used for projects, are theirs. They're in charge of it as their project, even though you'll be paying for it. <laughs> so they have like their own secret language and whatnot. It's mainly, um, well, actually what it is, is um, a compilation of occult terms and terminologies uh, c- coupled in a very clever way uh, with, uh, with um, say, philosophy or some of the ancient uh, writers um, uh, of the day that, that wrote plays even. So they'll add things in and use, use these terms in amongst them, and they all understand quite, quite ably what they're talking about, because they, they, they get a classical education. You know. Okay, and my last question, and I'll be done with you. The skull and bones, man. I mean, what, what's the root of all that? The skull and the bones. Well, the, the skull has always been used, right, even from the ancient to the modern times in the high system, the high cults and, uh, and the high lodges. Uh, it's always been used as a, a reminder of your own m- mortality. Because when you join these things, it's not just there to uh, make you uh, aggrandized for yourself. It's also, and you, they'll get, they will aggrandize you. Um, they'll, they'll get you honors and all the rest of it. But it's not just to fill your pockets. You've got a mission to accomplish. And the mission will be the speciality area they put you into. Uh, and that's your mission. So you're a knight on a quest. And the, the skull represents as I say, the, the basic um, reminder of your own mortality. That's all through Shakespeare as well. And you'll find that symbol all across the whole of Europe. And the crossed bones, uh, again, is a symbol of... Uh, it's a symbol of... It's actually, on different levels, it's given different meanings. And that, this is what they always do from the lower disciple to the higher one. And the lower ones, they'll always tell you uh, that on, on one hand is crossed across means it's barred. You're barred from entry unless you understand the passwords, the meanings, and so on. On the other hand, it means that which carries you. Don't forget that which carries you. Which carries you what carries you are, is the temples. It's a Jackin and Boaz crossed together, you see. The two, the two, the left path, the right path working together. And um, that also was the symbol of the priori de Zion, which the Pope gave the charter to that became the Knights Templar. And that, that became their, their, their flag for their ships at sea. And that, that's why it was used as a pirate flag, because they became the pirates eventually when they were tossed out of France. And they plundered all the other ships. So it's still used today. You'll see it all over uh, temples and places in Europe, and Britain especially. You'll, you'll see the skull and bones, not just in graveyards, but you'll see it uh, on buildings 
uh, as a sign of of uh, where where the brothers would meet, you know. And is the uh, is the Pope really supposed to be like a fish guy? Like, uh, what's his name? Dogon? Dogon? Yeah, yeah, Dogon was one name for, the, for them. There's a couple of names for them. They, they, they copied it from India, actually. But uh, it's, uh, you're going to understand that they talk about nature. And if you go back into ancient Egypt, you'll find that the Egyptians um, said that, that Ra, Almighty Ra, the god that was behind all gods, and they talk about this today too, that's a god behind all gods, meaning their god, the one that runs everything. The lower entity that you worship here is basically the Lord of the world, uh, a lower entity. The Greeks were very good at explaining it. He was called the Demiurgos. Anyway, um, the, the, the Egyptians said uh, that the fish, you know, the fish would symbol was a symbol of life and superior life, virility. And, of course, the Nile was even called happy, uh, and with a god called happy, because all all things came from the water of life. The, the the bank they banked the river and they owned the water and it nourished them, fed them, and gave them life. But the fish was a symbol of it too. And um, they've got a lot of old stories of a guy walking out the water. That's all nonsense and stuff. The reality is the fish was a symbol of fertility, with the mouth open to 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 get the water of life, which Ra rained down upon uh, the high priest. Or, or even a pharaoh who sometimes wore it too, because the the water of life was literally uh, the semen, uh, semen actually, <laughs> coming down as rain. That's what they called it. It was the life from the god was was the water coming down to fertilize the land and, and give life to everything. Life symbolized by the fish, and um, so the mouth is open for it. And even today we use that term. Uh, uh, when they when they take oaths to the queen and they sing the anthem, long will she reign over us. Reign is literally they put a slight spelling difference to throw you off. That's what a spell is; it's to throw you off. But it's the same term. She reigns over you. All all the gods' hierarchies reign down on you and over you. So it's a very ancient system that folk don't even know what they're looking at. And if you look for I never watched the royal wedding, but it took place in Westminster again, just like the Queen was coronated in. I saw the coronation on uh, old reruns. And what you're seeing there is a reenactment of even a system they used in ancient e- Egypt, uh, and even the, the, the system of Nimrod. Nimrod was a guy who wore uh, the, the mottled fur around his neck. It was, it was white with black spots like the royalties do today. Uh, and, um, and and he sat too on a, a raised dais, a sort of form of pyramid. And everybody that you'll see around that throne is standing in the same positions you'll see carved in the old steelers of, of ancient Egypt and elsewhere in the Middle East. So you're watching, on, and you wonder what, what on earth is that, that? They're doing this in England. What's that got to do with the English? It's got nothing to do with the English. Uh, so this is a very secretive society. Everything must be done properly. They don't make it up on the spot. You'll stand here with this big scepter and you'll, stand, you'll hand it to so-and-so. This is all from ancient books. And you're watching the dominance of an ancient system slowly work through, take over the world today. Yeah. All right. Well, I won't take any more of your time. Cheers, mate. Keep up the good work, then. Thanks for calling. And we've got Anthony from New York City as well, if Anthony's there. Oh, yeah. Hello. 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 Yeah. Thanks a lot, Alan. Um, I had a question. You spoke about population reduction uh, today in the program, and I just had a question about the um, uh, 
the Georgia Guidestones. Yeah. And um, apparently they have ten laws. All of each are, are um, written in English, Swahili, Spanish, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese, and Russian. And he also spoke about with the previous caller about the ancient orders. They also have some languages here also in Babylonian, classical, mm-hmm. Greek, Sanskrit, and ancient Egyptian. Yeah. Did those um, um, ancient orders speak those languages, and did they have their secret brotherhood in those time periods and in those cultures? And um, could you just expound upon um, the, the Ten Laws here? That seems like a mockery of the Ten Commandments um, yeah. on the um, uh, George, Georgia Guidestones. Yeah. They've always used uh, their own uh, ancient languages and the very high orders amongst themselves. That Because obviously even if someone could spy on you, which is, there's obviously no hope of doing with the security that they have, but they, they have, uh, in case anybody did, they wouldn't know what they were talking about, basically. But it's also a symbol of all of the ancient brotherhoods coming together, because they were all of one brotherhood in ancient times. It doesn't matter what language they spoke. So they'd have high lodges in every city-state, which were actually countries in those days. And uh, and so they came down through the ages. They, they actually were scattered at one point, thousands of years ago. They admit that themselves. Uh, there's Sam's that were taken out of the Old Testament for Christians, which are still available in the Jewish text, where it talks about them um, and how they, they had their own particular um, ceremonies. They went underground, meaning inside caves or down under the earth for these ceremonies. And they, they had these forms of orgies, the kind that you saw in one of the Matrix movies where, where they were going to have this kind of strange dance very, very paganistic uh, sexual dance that was all symbolic of that ancient system. Anyway, it says eventually that they wanted to, they, they pushed so far, taking over countries and peoples and so on, the people rebelled when they found out what they're up to. They give Nimrod as an example, uh, and uh, they, they, they hunted them down all over the deserts. Wherever they found them, they killed them. And when they started up again, these guys obviously used the same old passwords and symbols and handshakes and waves and winks and nods and so on, and the way they stand with their feet. Even Isaiah talks about it in one, one, one verse, where they stand and wink, you know. And um, uh, so you'll, you'll, you'll find that uh, they've come down through time, uh, rebuilding that which was lost, as they claim. And what was lost was a complete domination of an ancient world, all trade, all banking, all armies, all everything. Uh, where most of the people were being turned into slaves in all their city-states. That was how they ran Greece. That's how they ran Rome. That's how they're running the world. People don't realize that there's wage slaves, uh, and now you don't need a slave master to, to throw a rag at you or a pair, of, a pair of sandals once in a while. You buy it yourself with a little you're left over. So we're, we're not as poor as those ancient ones, but we're getting to that stage. We will get to that stage by the time we're done. And they plan the future, as they say. They, are the, they represent the gods, the, the god of the world. The god of the world blesses you in all, all your endeavors. Uh, you want power, fame, fortune. You join the brotherhood, and they'll make sure that, if, that you get it uh, if you serve them in a certain direction. So uh, he's a demiurgos, as they say, the bad-tempered god, the one who can be nice at one minute, bad the next. So... Again, he's got the two hands. He's got the olive branch, and he's got the he's got the the symbol of the the arrows in the other. That's the symbol of Manasseh as well, and a long history to Manasseh, 
who they claim was the descendants of Joseph, not the other tribes. And that's why they use the Egyptian symbology so much in the U.S., for instance. That's why Rothschild has that on his crest as well. So it's a long, long story. But if you go into the history of ephod, well, an ephod as well, it was an eye. It could also be called a basket, but it was also an eye in ancient Hebrew and Aramaic. And you'll find the, the verse in Isaiah where you talk about the, the, those that be careful of those who wink and stand with their, their feet squared, basically, together, as they do in the military in Britain, for instance. And that's why they call it square bashing, too, in the way you stand at attention. Aten was the god at that time. So uh, it's interesting, it all ties together. It can't be refuted. Um, and yet it's nothing you can take into a court of law because the law is also their system, the legal system is theirs too. And they're recreating that which they lost, which is their total dominance over the world, to run the world the, the way that they themselves, being high intellectuals, as they believe they are, have the right to rule it. And uh, they use democracy as a front, which is such a joke because we have no rights at all in democracy. Can, can you go into the Georgia Guidestone and, and explain what, what is the, what is the reason for those ten laws and what, what, what uh, who put that there? And well, we, we know that a Mason definitely put it there, a Rosicrucian, and even the name that was given supposedly on the county records of the guy who purchased that little bit of land there and so on was was a, a, again I think Christian Rosencrutz used. <laughs> From the Rosy Cross, you know. So, uh, that's a very, uh, so that's obviously Masonic. Um, the, the, the true Rosy Cross, there's two in the U.S. One's a fake, one's a real one. But uh, they do believe the same things I've just been telling you, that the, the, the super intelligent, uh, have the rights, uh, those, and those who are rich and powerful, and who have not married out of lust, but, but allowed the priests to match them up with the proper women of the right qualities. Uh, and that's very important. In fact, the gene often comes through the female lineage, not the male. Uh, but they, they say that um, they, they want to reduce the population down to their manageable level that they wanted in ancient times and recreate the ancient times where they would live high on the hog in their big marble cities and the few peasants will simply farm the land. Uh, that's what they claim. But I'll, I'll speak a bit more when I come back from this break on that. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix talking to Anthony from New York who's talking about the Georgia Guidestones and and uh, there's no doubt about it, they've been defaced already by folk who've woken up and <laughs> rather object to the fact that, that these guys want to kill them off and quite rightly so uh, but uh, the, the, the ten laws again um, go back to, uh, to very ancient times uh, uh, on the one hand it, it's a symbol of hermaphroditic Systems or power, uh, uh, left brain, right brain, all the rest of it, male, female. Uh, the one is a male, and of course they don't like females too much except for the gene they carry and their ability to reproduce uh, their, from their own sperm, obviously. Um, and so it's, uh, it's also, that zero is a female. And if you read it backwards too, it's from 10, it's the net. They love the word net. They've got lots to do with net and Poseidon and so on. So, They've given a lot of symbology there for their owns to read, their own ones to read. And I think most of these guidestones stand on four pillars or so. That's traditional, at least. And the four pillars are four squared. That means perfected, uh, the perfect um, 
Ashler basically is is four squared, and all all masons are said to be Ashlers. They become perfectly squared on all sides. In other words, so they're not just normal anymore, normal and ignorant or profane, like a rolling stone, right? They become squared and perfected by the system and the lodge, and that's what that means too. All those who've been perfected will survive. Uh, the, the other ones will be destroyed by what they call the law of nature, and the fittest should go on. But um, y- you'll find this traditionally through all, if you know how to read Freemasonic writing, uh, you- you'll find it through all their talks. They're very seductive, by the way. So try, it's, it's, all these books are written uh, with, with two, uh, uh, two systems combined into one. One's exoteric, one's esoteric. The exoteric can tend to put you to sleep. Uh, the esoteric, if you keep awake, you'll, you'll see the thread of what they're actually saying, but almost between the lines, as they guide your mind. And it captures some people, and they become willing recruits. So when you read their stuff, you have to be awfully, awfully careful and not to be trapped by it, because there's a lot of truths, and then combine it with their, their very careful spin that they've worked out over thousands of years to be very successful, and then you're, you're gone. Uh, you'll be one of theirs, on a low level, obviously, because you won't have the right genealogy. So these guys all claim to be at least a third generation of perfect uh, breeding. That means their wives were picked for them. The son uh, goes higher than the father. The, the grandson goes even higher. He can go, start off at a very high degree at a much younger age and, and taught. He's the perfect one that they're after, the third generation of perfect breeding. So it's a very, very old system. It's in your face, of course. Uh, Jacques Cousteau and all these guys, the guys who loved nature and wanted to kill off the public, uh, all belong to the same organization. And as I say, each branch of it is a specialized branch in its own area. And so you have Rosicrucianism, you have General Freemasonry, you have, this, again, what, look to see what parallel it's on. It's very important. They love the 33rd degree as well. And you'll see that's where they dropped the, the bomb on Japan, was in the 33rd degree parallel. They love that one so, so much. For the 33rd degree, because that's where the sun goes down, you see, and uh, rises on the 30th and then sets on the 33rd. So they give you these stories of the, your lumen period, and you have to achieve lots of things by the time you're 30 to, to at least 33. Uh, for the lower masons, they can get their 32nd degree and a little badge and a little gold uh, watch to wear and all that stuff. But that's the lower masonry. They're the they're, they're lower lodges. Albert Pike called them the lesser lodge. They're a, basically a front, as most people in religions are a front for a higher system and don't know it. Scottish right of Freemasonry is not Scottish. You speak it. You've got, you've got seraphim. Seraphim is the higher order of angels. Uh, that's it for tonight, folks. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>